Hello and welcome to Kicking Balls, the podcast where two 20-something Americans give out a whole lot of opinions on soccer as if they're fact. We're really awkward at starting, aren't we? We should be impressed that we're doing this two weeks in a row. Yeah. Same time and everything. Um, Let's go. Yeah. Um, Like functional, functional human beings. Um, Stuff to say, stuff to talk about. Not quite as much stuff because we're doing this regularly for once. So like there's a smaller amount of content to cover, but. We like that. We like that. We do like that. Um, It means I'll have to spend less time listening to us uh, when I'm editing it which honestly shout out to us for having a, a game plan that we stuck to last week that we did get too off topic because I had to do way less cutting out of bullshit than I did before. So, and we're going to stick to it again this week because we have it written out. Um, so let's get started. We're going to circle back to a couple of the updates we did last week. Actually, really just the one update on Ukraine, Russia, how that's um, influencing the soccer world. And today, this morning. Hmm? I said there's really only one big update with that. Yeah. So um, the UK sanctioned Abramovich. Hopefully I said that right. Um, who's obviously Chelsea's owner. Um, and this is actually going to have some pretty serious implications on Chelsea's club. Um, Basically, my understanding of what happened and like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like my understanding of what happened is basically the UK is freezing all of his assets, um, Abramovich's. And since he is the like 100% sole owner of Chelsea, that like also includes like Chelsea is one of his assets. So in freezing his assets, they freeze Chelsea. Mm-hmm. But then they actually basically amended like the sanctions, I guess, to like allow them to do like some stuff as opposed yeah. to like having to halt operation completely. Um, but basically how it breaks down is the only things that they, so they can play matches and do training and sort of all that sort of stuff. Um, they can still do that. They can still receive broadcast money. Um, so like basically like their games can still be broadcast and they can still get money from that. Um, and anybody who is a, like a Chelsea season ticket holder, like at Stamford bridge can still go to the games at Stamford bridge. Or if any, is it also if anyone's already purchased a ticket to a game? I am not clear on people mm. who have bought tickets to games already, but are not season ticket holders. I'm not clear on that. This says, I don't know. This one says selling new tickets to any that's, game or any other. Says, that's what my, okay. but it also says what it says. So it says under Ken is continue to play matches, receive broadcast money and allow season ticket ticket holders to attend games mm. to me makes it sound like nobody who's not a season ticket holder can attend games but it also like you said says they can't sell new tickets to games yeah which also make me feel like um they can't like anybody who already has a ticket like that ticket should be honored yeah i think it's true like i think, I think that makes sense already has a ticket should like be able to go to the game like yeah but um i know that this includes like they can't sell tickets to away games um either like it's not Mm. just 
applicable to like Chelsea's home games. Yeah. Um, but the big ones are the big things that they can't do is other than, you know, for the, obviously like the most thing, the things that are impacting the fans directly the most is like, no, like any, no new tickets can be sold to Chelsea games. Um, and then they can't like sell club merchandise. Like they can't sell yeah. any more club merchandise from their shop, which obviously like are two big money makers, money makers. And like two things that are going to affect fans like most directly, but they also cannot buy any new players, which I mean, like, honestly, at this very moment in time doesn't make a super big difference because it's not like a transfer window but if this is not resolved which it's gonna have big implications come the summer hypothetically it, it is resolved before the summer but yes. like um if it is not resolved before the summer then it's gonna have huge implications in the summer um but i think it's actually bigger that they can't agree to any new contracts yeah um, because that is something that happens frequently during the season. Current players are renegotiating contracts. They are renewing contracts that are going to be up at the end of the season. Um, so that's huge. I don't know the, the current contract situation at Chelsea. Like, I don't know where their players are sort of on their contracts, but that's huge, I think. Um, I know. I know that Christensen, I think, might be going to Barca. Yeah, um, something about that last week. That's definitely a rumor that's going around. I know his contract is up. Yeah. I don't know what Rudiger is doing, but if his deal actually expires on June 30th, that would be a big, that, that would be, probably be big. If, they're, if they've got players whose contracts expire at the end of the season, like usually they would be renegotiating deals right now. now. Yeah. Doing. Um, if they haven't already, they would be now. Um. And if they can't do that, um, which they can't, like that causes you know Problems. Significant, significant issues. Yeah. Um, and then the other big thing is that Abramovich cannot sell the club. Right. Um, which is what he was trying to do. Which is unless he lets the government take over the sale. Yeah. Um, and he receives no proceeds from it. Yeah. Um, and this is the one that I have a bit of a sticking point on, I think the like i don't i understand that the government is trying to keep him from being able to make any profits from the sale of the club mm -hmm. and i think ultimately what like will probably happen is that the uk government like will take over the sale of the club um and it will just be sold to someone else but i feel like that needs to be done as soon as possible like yeah and I think that like the government should do what it can to make that like, and, and the governing bodies of, of uh, football in, in the UK should like get that done as quickly as possible. Because I ultimately don't think that like sanctioning Chelsea football club is like really gonna like, be, like I, I agree we should be sanctioning Russian oligarchs like don't get me wrong and like Abramovich is like all buddy buddy with Putin so like fuck him like I'm yes. on board with that like I'm totally on board with that but like ultimately like Chelsea not being able to sell buy and sell players like isn't going to be like the linchpin of like the thing that convinces Putin to like chill out so yeah I just think that the sooner this is sort of like handled that the sale of the club is is done the better yeah. for everybody, I think. 
And yeah. like, it seems, I, I mean, I don't know. Abramovich is obviously a, a, a Russian oligarch. Like he's not a good dude. Like nobody who has enough money to like own a football club, like in their own right. Like on his own, like that's insane. Like a good person, like um, I don't think so. <laughs> like generally speaking, um, but like aside from that, like it seems that he is like try is actually like trying to sell the club, and like I don't know if I believe him on the sort of like his original stance before these sanctions that he was like, oh, I'm not going to make any profits I make are going to go to like Ukraine char charities or whatever. Like, I don't know if I believe him on that front, but like, that's what he said. Right. But like, I, I just feel like if the UK government is like, well, you can't do anything. I guess like, I don't really understand like full disclosure. Like, I don't really get how like financial sanctions like work and like <laughs> how, like i don't get it like don't i'm not gonna explain, explain it to you on this podcast because it's not necessary but i could help but, explain like, later like, I say that i'm speaking from a place of like i don't really get how this like works like in the legal system of it all like i don't get it yeah but i don't think a lot of people do really understand it it seems and that's okay. at like a basic logic sense, right? That if the UK government can impose these things on it, why can't they just be like, Abramovich, you don't own the club anymore. We're selling it to somebody else. And that's I don't think that they can just I'm say that legally. That's a rhetorical question. I'm not asking. Oh, okay. I don't really have like a, but like, I see what you're saying. And I do agree. I think that the sooner this can be resolved so that the club is happened is Abramovich needs to just like wash his hands of it and be like I'm done the government right. can take over the sale of the club I'm out like right and I think ultimately like that's probably what's going to happen right like this news has been like is like 12 hours old so like I don't know but like Chelsea football club obviously wants that to happen like the fans of the club want that to happen frankly like as an opposition fan, someone who fucking hates Chelsea, like that's what I want to happen. Like, I just think like, and I think it is like, I think everybody, that's what everybody wants. Like everybody wants him to be gone and to, to sell the club to somebody else. And I think like, perhaps this is something that's just going to speed that process along. I don't know. We'll see. But that's the selling of the club is the only thing that like, that has to happen. I, well, the other thing is that, like, nah, the rest of it's, like, getting into the nitty-gritty of, like, I don't know how the finances of football clubs work, really, <laughs> but, like. We are slowly delving into topics we don't fully understand, though. Do we fully understand football? That's also up for debate. However. I understand football. That is not up for debate. <laughs> I Sorry. Um, but. No, but I. Is not so much. Not so much. The reason I didn't take. I hate math. I didn't take any after I graduated high school. Really? Okay, wait. Diverging won't diverge. Impressed that you were somehow able to do that. Um, so, yeah. But but anyway, the moral of the story is, Chelsea hopefully, going to have a new owner soon. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully the UK government can do what they're trying to do to be able to take the club so that this can be resolved quickly and Abramovich can go slink back into his hole yeah and stay there yep that's what I would desire I agree. okay a 
amazing. So that was kind of like the only update we've got going um, in that section. So we're going to move on now um, to some other fun things. I'll just include this here, but let me just include this here is the women's super league has been entertaining and I've only finally gotten myself back into watching it and all soccer. Let's actually pause men's football real quick and talk about women's football Yeah, because I want to talk about the Conti cup final. Yes. This is what I'm saying. I want to talk about. Okay. Um, Cause we're diverging from the agenda, but it's going to be okay. Yeah, I'm a city. I'm a city fan on the men's side, but I'm also a city fan on the women's side because Georgia Stanway is a woman after my heart. Um, <laughs> we definitely chose our women's team just by like the women that we're attracted to. No, that was joking. Like, <laughs> no, like that's I don't. Georgia is just a good footballer. Like she's just good. That like yeah, she's I, great. Yeah, great. I don't root for city, but she's good. She's good. Um, but she was not the star of the weekend. Star of the weekend was my girl Carolyn Weir. She what a woman! She, she really off. did. It was she it was nice. She likes a she likes to pop off against Chelsea. To be fair, but I'm gonna be honest. Like I, I city city women have not had a, the greatest of seasons. Um, no. They're they're good and they're still good and they've had good games and good moments, but they're not. Um, they're not like challenging for the title quite the way they were last year. They had a lot of injuries at the beginning of the season and some like planned things. And I think that that definitely hindered them starting out, which is why you see them lower in the table than you might expect. Jeff Houghton is hurt now. Like it's still like not, you know, so like anyway, city, city women have not had as successful of a year this year as they have in the past couple of years. Um, they're still like one of the best teams in the league, but um, like they just haven't been as successful. Um, particularly at like Arsenal is as Arsenal does on the women's side. Um, yes. And Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea is Chelsea. I mean, Frank Kirby and and our girl Sam Kerr. Our girl. Hell yeah. Live, love, Sam Kerr. But yeah, so basically going into the game, like I didn't have super high hopes. Like I thought that I was hoping for a good game and like that city would show well, but I, I kind of expected honestly, more or less uh, Chelsea to win. Um, Particularly when we end the first half down one, nothing on a Sam Kerr goal. I was like, all right, fair enough. Like fair play. (laughs) I was like, fair enough. Um, And then second half, uh, comeback city. Yeah, they Um, came back like, roaring yeah like they were so good post halftime and i wonder if chelsea thought that they were kind of just going to roll through the second half but i honestly i kind of feel like you know like city didn't have the best of first halves and sam kerr obviously being sam kerr and like city like i said like city have not had the best seasons um but you know some caroline weird does as caroline weird does Um, yeah she loves a goal. She loves a cheeky goal. Um, so yeah, like I think that like City just like whatever they did at halftime, like whatever talks they had in the locker room, like whatever sort of they adjusted, it just worked. They came, scored three goals in the second half, and won the Conti Cup. So 
go city women good stuff um arsenal is honestly my point to arsenal they like haven't been looking good but still, still seem to somehow win games and they've slowed down but no one seems to be catching them in the table and they're kind of just there at the top i think like but they've but they i think have struggled over the past few weeks they have a little bit but at the same time like when you have a player like vivian Miedema on your yes team, like you like you only struggle so much yeah there's it's almost like inevitable that she probably will score and i should say it's not only like, Miedema. no but she the thing is she sets up she's like, just she's just like yeah i don't want to like bang the i mean i love her and there's obviously arsenal has a great team top to bottom like there's there's phenomenal players all throughout the team but i think like Miedema is the type of forward who can be involved in a fantastic team goal and like that sort of like moves the ball from one end to the other and she will provide a fantastic service for somebody else or she will score a dirty goal like yeah. she has no biz like a dirty goal that the team doesn't deserve she just gets in the right moment in the right spot and she, she just gets it like, yeah she gets it done like um and i think when you have a player like her that is can be elegant and skillful but also can just like get through the nitty-gritty and just like put the ball in the back of the yeah like, yeah i think that like teams like that when they're in a bit of a rut like it's like yeah i mean it's just it's it's matt i mean it's massive for them and clearly because they're still doing well um and yeah i don't think the women's champions league has started back up yet um but we will um we'll keep we'll keep adding to this as podcasts as the weeks go by um because there's some very good soccer being played yeah so um we should talk about barca women as well because they just they're so good there's anyway games actually in the quarterfinals yeah league yeah well eh. psg bayern um i think the psg women are probably i think they'll probably win and then Barca Madrid, but Madrid's women's team doesn't really have a leg to stand on with Barca just yet. No, no. Uh, and then honestly, Arsenal Wolfsburg could be an interesting match. I'm very excited for that. Yeah, um, it's. I think it's going to be interesting. And then it's Lyon and Juve, which Lyon will probably take it easily. I think Arsenal Wolfsburg is the most is the one most likely to. Have yeah. That's exciting. We can return to the men quickly if there's anything in the Bundesliga, La Liga. I don't nothing was flat nothing flagged to me, but um, yeah, I only watched the first half um or not even the first half. I watched probably like the first 30 minutes of the Barca game um because uh, my power went out. Um, oh. I'll talk about that a little bit more when we talk about the El Clasico, but I was trying to watch the games overlapped slightly, but I was trying to watch um, the Barca game, like as much of the Barca game before the Derby started. Um, but my power went out. So I only watched like the first 30 minutes or so and nobody scored um, in it. So I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot of <laughs> info about that, but they did end up um, winning two one against Elche. So Barca continues continues winning in the league. Um 
everybody there weren't any sort of big crazy upsets or anything like that um in la liga bundesliga um is the bundesliga Bayern is Bayern. Um, We're going to talk about Bayern being Bayern in a in a minute, but yes, Bayern tied again this weekend. Um, Crazy, yeah. And Dortmund didn't play this weekend, so probably the best outcome for Dortmund at the moment. Yeah, (laughs) which I'm sorry, but but Bayern in the league keeps giving opportunities to get like okay, they are nine points ahead. Right. Yes. Like, but there's a game in like Dortmund has a game that they haven't played yet. Like they have their area. Yeah. So th- this gap is like, it's not basically like Bayern keeps giving openings for Dortmund to gain on them. And then Dortmund keeps blowing those opportunities. Like every time Bayern loses, Dortmund also loses. Or like every time Bayern ties, like they just like match whatever points they're at this point in the season. Like, they get the same amount of points every weekend. It seems like that. So, but this is just another opportunity. Like Dortmund do not have any other competitions um, that they are in now that they're out of the Europa league. Um, Yeah. So there's nothing like they have every reason to put everything into trying to close the gap on Byron and Byron keeps giving them space it'll be interesting it'll be i think i will be interested to see if dortmund can capitalize on it and i will be interested to see if Bayern just figures out what's going on the only positive that can be taken from this season for dortmund is if the fact that they are not in any other competitions can help them close the gap on yes yes um, make it an actual title race at the end yeah um because if they can do that, I mean, I think that you can gain some sort of success from the yeah. season, but that yeah. right now, and I think like, it's not unreasonable, like, because now they're going to be playing fewer games um, and their players are going to start to get, you know, hopefully some of their injured players will come back, you know, over the next couple, couple of weeks. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, by the end of the season. So if they can keep the gap close and you, you get your, you in and Reina and Royce and Holland and all of them are back, you know, for the last, you know, six weeks of the season, then maybe it gets interesting at the end. I mean, I'm not going to say it's going to happen. Cause like, I don't know, the Dortmund team is all over the place, but it would, it's kind of the only thing that they could still redeem out of their season. So I'd like to see them make a run of it, but that's, that's sort of the only thing to be said about the Bundesliga. Yeah. It'll be interesting to watch. I'm looking forward to it. Um, okay. So let's, it's a pretty easy segue to talk about the champions league. There are some fun games. I would say, uh, I watched the Bayern Salzburg game and the Real PSG game and paid attention to the other games, um, but I was also I at work. Watched, so I watched Bayern Salzburg and then I actually watched both games on Wednesday. Oh, well, that's because, you know, your team is still yeah. in that league. The only, game, <laughs> the only Champions League game I did not watch this week was Liverpool Inter. But, um, Which I heard, quick comment on that. I didn't watch it either, but everyone was like, Liverpool did not look good and they're not winning the champions league if they continue to look like that which um interesting to which, be said again 
is what I said about Bayern in the first leg of Salzburg Bayern. Yes. Um, could not be said of Bayern in the second leg. Of no, Bayern. no, Bayern got their shit together. <laughs> Bayern, that was the best I've seen Bayern look um, since before Christmas. Yeah. Um, I mean, they I, knew what the assignment was and they went out and just did it. They played how they could play. It seemed to me that like, they have such a strong position in the Bundesliga, like basically all the time that there's not a whole lot of pressure, like tying a yes. game, they have no business tying in the Bundesliga. Like it's not quite as anxiety inducing as tying RB Salzburg <laughs> yeah. Salzburg in the uh, first leg of the round of 16, the champions league and like really having it, like really having been outplayed, like yes. not just tying the first leg, but having been outplayed. And so I, I feel like that, seemed to be a bit of a wake-up call um, when it came into this second leg because it was almost like two different teams, first leg versus second leg. Um, yeah. Bayern just came out roaring. Yeah. And, and I do think Salzburg got a little bit unlucky um, to give up a penalty. The first penalty, it was – obviously it was a penalty. That's a but penalty. I, it was hard to be angry with the defender because it was kind of like, what else was he going to do there? He had to attempt to make a tackle on Lewandowski. Lewandowski was probably going to score it without the tackle. So you can't really. So it's kind of just like, yeah, it was, it's hard to like blame the kid. Um, The second penalty is really what I have a gripe with. Um, Mm. I do not think it was in the box. Um, Interesting. And the commentators on mine also did not really feel like it was in the box. And my thing is, here's my thing about the the decision and VAR and it being a penalty is uh, it was called on the field as outside the box, yes. right? So the original call was it's a free kick outside the box. None of the angles that I saw put the foul definitively, like a hundred, like clearly inside the box. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in a knockout game of the Champions League, if it's close, you have to rule it as a free kick. Like if it's close, if it's questionable, like it's got to be a free kick, not a penalty. In my opinion, That's I have two. Opinion. I have two points. One, I was listening, I guess, to Sky Sport, whatever British one I watched online. They were like, "Oh, it's a penalty," and they thought it was a penalty when it happened live. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying like that. That like so they were saying that, and the image that they showed made it look now it wasn't a perfect angle but it made it look like the contact did happen in the box that's what i saw yeah to to your and i mean like it, to your second point about it being a not like about the circumstance impacting it i think it's an interesting question but how do you then judge what circumstance allows for that and what circumstance does not allow for that in any case i i think like the I think it's particularly true in knockout games of tournaments, but I think like in any game, like if it's, and I think this is true of like, in most cases, like if it's questionable, like I think it's pretty clear, like in most sort of that if it's questionable, here's who should get the benefit of the doubt, right? Like I think that in penalty situations, if it's questionable, the defender gets the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Yeah. That's my opinion on sort of like controversial penalties. Like, I think that if it's questionable, then the, then, you know, sort of 
the benefit goes to the defensive team. I think that that's how it works. Just like, and I think that's true. Um, whereas I, I think that's maybe not as true with offsides. I don't want to get super into it, but I feel like I have a whole, I don't want to get it. Just kidding. I don't want to get into offsides, but like, I think there are circumstances when like clearly the benefit goes to the attacking team, but like, I think yeah. for penalties, like in most circumstances, if it is questionable, the benefit, you know, sort of like the decision should go to the defensive team. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And so I just felt like it was not definitive enough to make the change of the call, to make the change from the call on the field. I yeah. think had the call been in on the field, been a penalty. Yeah. It was not enough to overturn it. The other yeah. Time. I see I what you mean. Like no angles um, that I saw. Yeah. And, and like, ultimately I feel like and you're going to look at the score and go, well, it was 7-1. Who cares about one? But it could have changed the tide, though, because then the third goal happened almost right afterward. Um, in less than 20 minutes. Yeah. So I think that does impact the flow of the game significantly. Yeah, I think it impacted. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it would have changed the game. I don't know that it necessarily would have changed the outcome. Um, yeah, but it might have impacted it a little bit. But I think it may have given more of an opportunity for Salzburg. I think had Salzburg, you know, had that not been a penalty, had it been a free kick um, and that didn't score, obviously they could have scored from the free kick. It was yeah. a well-placed free kick. Yeah. But, you know, had it not been a penalty, had they not scored from the free kick, um, like I, I think it would have given Salzburg more of an opportunity to bounce back from the first first penalty. But yeah. I think when you hit, when you get hit one, two with penalties like that in the beginning of the game, like, it just particularly, I think, with Salzburg, who's a very young squad, um, they're not tremendously experienced. Um, that just sort of that kind of thing takes like it's hard to recover from that, particularly for young guys who are not don't have, you know, breadths of experience um, in comebacks and kind of stuff. And I think that just took the wind out of them. And then, you know, when Lewandowski has a hat trick within 23 minutes, like. I mean, it is what it like. Game might be over. <laughs> You know, like yeah. it, it was clear, like I did not watch a, all of the second half mm. um, because it got to the point where I was like, this isn't fun to watch. Like I, I mean, Byron was kind of just dominating. I'm not enjoying this. Like I, I feel bad. I just feel bad for Salzburg. Like I don't really want to watch this anymore, but I do want to say a couple of things sort of like, and that's not like, I don't hate Byron. Like <laughs> I just, I like yeah. Salzburg. Um, yeah. And it was a good story the first leg too. It would have been a, I think it would have been a good sport story, even had Salzburg lost if it had been a closer game. I think it would yeah. have been. Fun. Yeah. But yeah. I do want to say, like, I I felt like I felt like honestly what, what they did really well, Bayern, is they kind of took Aronson out of the game. Mm -hmm. Cause I think Aronson basically runs their Salzburg's transition. Yeah, he does. And Salzburg is very good on the counterattack because uh, Adiemi is so fast and, and so good. So like when they sort of prevented Aronson from being able to do that sort of transition play that he's so good at, and that sort of, you know, killed Salzburg. Um, but I think, you know, like I, I'm, I was happy with, you know, the general performances from the youngsters at Salzburg. I think um, Aronson, obviously we will talk about quite a bit, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But, and I like him. I think he's great. I think he's going to be, continue to be great. I think he's going to be, I give it, you know, a year or two before he's somewhere else, but the same is true of Adiyemi. 
Oh yeah. He is fantastic. He's like really good. I give it two years before he's playing for Bayern. Like honestly, probably. Honestly, they do like to take players that like Lewandowski is gonna leave. And if Bayern is yeah, that's who they bring in. Yeah. And they do normally do a good job of doing that. So if Holland like if they don't get Holland, which I'm not I don't feel like they are. Um, I don't feel like they're really after him, but I don't think they're after him either. But anyway, is so like, if they keep Lewandowski for like next year and then you bring in Adiemi the year after, like he's good. <laughs> I also, for some reason, think he would actually fit with the team. Well, he's German. Like, well, yeah, mountain nationality wise. Like, he wants to play for Bayern because every yeah. German guy does. Like, yeah, because why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but. like, I think he, I agree. Like, I think he fits the. I just think he would work well with the team anyway, and what they have. I, I think, like, like if two years from now he goes to Bayern, I'm going to point back at this moment and go, I fucking called it. It'll be recorded, so you'll have it there for you. Exactly. It's, you all know. So if in, if in two years from now he doesn't, you could all be like, haha, you were wrong. But I, I feel like I might be right. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, do you want to briefly talk? I didn't watch the City game, but do you want to brief comments on that at all? Uh, sure. Um, City, there's not that much to say. City played uh, a B lineup for sure. Um, there were like a couple of A team guys, obviously, like in the lineup. Ederson started, obviously, because um, Zach Steffen's hurt. Um, and then like Foden and Bernardo Silva both started, um, but they both came out at halftime. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, both uh, Phil Foden and Bernardo Silva were subbed out at halftime. We had an academy guy start at uh, right back. Zinchenko started at left back. Um, Diaz is obviously hurt, so it was a stone support center back like eh, combo. Fernandinho is the second string six at this point. Um, I love the man. He's a legend, but he Rodri is the starting six at this point. And yeah, Gabby Jesus and Sterling both started, and they are not really in the city's best 11 at the moment. Um, so you know, there was that to be said. And then, you know, obviously Foden and Bernardo both played a half. Mara's played a half. De Bruyne didn't even see the field. Um, McAtee, who's a, who's a, um, Academy kid came in at halftime. Um, a couple, another one of the Academy kids came in at center back. Um, Scott Carson, who looks like somebody's dad came Aww, in. He's so fun. He's always so happy when yeah. he's just so happy to play. He seems like a lovely guy. Honestly. Yeah. And they all love him. Everybody at City loves Scott Carson. So yeah. he came in. He came in to play sort of the last thirty-five minutes or so. He actually made a really good save. Um, but yeah, so like it, it was. Pep very rarely plays a "this is a bullshit game" squad. But this was one game where he played a "this is a bullshit game" squad. As close as it's gonna get. Yeah. So you know that was like that was that that was what happened in the city game i mean it was a zero zero nobody scored um city had a scored a goal that got called off sides which was probably off sides yeah a little bit but like i have no issue with the call yeah Um, and like they could have scored a couple times but it was like bc team in it was as close to a bullshit squad as as pep will ever play so (laughs) um, yeah that's all there is really to say about the city game Cool. Um, and so the last game we're going to talk about was probably the highlight, I would say, of the Champions League as games go this week. Um, 
what we missed in the first leg of the LPSG, we definitely got in the second leg, everything that anyone would have hoped for as two people who hate both teams. Um, it was quite an entertaining game, and I was actively rooting for Real Madrid by the end of it. I I kind of agree, and I think that my opinion on PSG continues to be proven correct. Yes. Um, they have they clearly have no interest in proving me wrong. Um, <laughs> because, you know, for them to go up, they were one up after the first leg. Um, away goals don't count anymore, obviously, but... Um, it wouldn't have even mattered, though, would it have? Well, it wouldn't have in the end, but when... It would have been more competitive. It would have mattered at some point during the game, but in the end, it, did, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, right. Um, you know, and then they go up one nothing again in the first half. Uh, like, you're up 2-0 on aggregate. Like, close it out, man, you know? Like... Don't play it out of the back and lose the ball three times in a row. <laughs> you're up one nothing at halftime of the game. You're, you're three quarters of the legs are, of the leg is done. Three quarters of it is done. And you're up 2-0 on aggregate. All you got to do is not give up two goals in what, in 45 minutes. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. ESG cannot handle any sort of adversity. No. The moment something starts to go wrong for them, they fall to pieces. Composure. They lose, they lose their shit completely. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Makes a mistake at the back. Yes. Um, Benzema catches him out um, and forces him into a bad pass that then gets put back to Benzema, who puts it in the back of the net as Benzema does. Yes. At that point, they lost it. There was yeah. no coming back for them. And at that point, it's two to one on aggregate. Like PSG shouldn't be panicking, right? Like, the no, there's no reason for them not to like, there was be no okay for them not to, you know, calm down, chill out, defend, score again. Or frankly, at that point, they didn't even have to score again. They just had to keep the score how it was. They didn't possess the ball and not make any mistakes. Yeah, which with the players that they have, they should be able to do. Exactly. But they can't do it. They lose all sense of like cohesiveness. And I think it's because there is a culture at PSG of individualism. Yes. Like nobody, like they all come there thinking they're the shit. Everybody who goes there, like thinks they're the shit. And it's all about whoever their individual person is, but they all want to win all the time, but they don't function as a unit. Like PSG does not play as a team, like cohesively. Yeah. And so because of that, as soon as something goes wrong, they all start yelling at each other. And like they can't get it together, and then and then you see what you saw what happened. Ben, I mean, this is to take nothing away from Benzema. Benzema was fantastic. Benzema, I think, is one of the most underrated players of the last couple of years. And I yes, think but I think he's underrated. Yes, uh, and he was absolutely phenomenal. I don't remember if it was the second or the third goal that he flicked like that. Um, there was, I think it was the third goal. I think the third goal was like, oh my god. <laughs> That was mean. Like, that was mean. That was, uh, yeah. Like, I, because the second one was the other defensive mistake. But the yeah. third one was, like, it came across at the top of the box and he, like, flicked it. Yeah. Like, that yeah. Was dirty. I, he basically just decided, everyone, I mean, my British announcers were like, oh, my God, all they could talk about at halftime was Mbappe. Like, Mbappe, Mbappe, Mbappe. He's the heir apparent. He's here. He's the best player in the world. 
basically. And, and, then and Benzema like, basically was just like, your bitch ass down. Yeah, he basically was down. like, I'm going to show to you that I am here. I am here right now, and I can bring my team and into the next round of the Champions League. Um, and I, I tweeted it after the game. I said, Benzema said, Mbappe who? Um, <laughs> and he did. Like, he said, I'm fucking, how old is he? 34, 32? I think Somewhere 32. in there, yeah. Him and Lewandowski, one of them is, I guess Lewandowski's 32. They're close to the same age. Benzema's 34. Yeah. Because Benzema became the youngest, the oldest guy, I think, to score a hat trick in a Champions League knockout game. Okay. Um, or maybe it was in a single half in a knockout game. I'm not sure. But Wait, didn't Lewandowski? Oh, but he's older. Right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah, but I think sure. Benzema's older than Lewandowski. Yeah. Um, but basically, like, Benzema said shut the fuck up. You don't need Mbappe. You've got me. Yeah. I'm better. And he kind of like, he got a point. Like, and I mean, like, that's not to say like, if you pop Mbappe into this Madrid team that he's not going to be an asset. Like I, obviously he's going to be an asset. Like he's, he's a, I mean, he's a good player. Um, and if he can be, and if he can actually like, honestly, like, I think it will all come down to like, if he can shake off the, it's all about me attitude and he can sort of like, go into a, a team like as a unit like as and be a member of the unit and yeah I mean, Madrid is not the most um like team mentality of clubs right no like, the world they are on the more individual side of things but nowhere close to as PSG so and I think like that's what you saw right like PS like Madrid rallied like Madrid rallied at halftime and said, we're not fucking losing this game. We're Real Madrid and we are going to come back. And then they did. I think to your point about individualism, Real Madrid is an individual club compared to, let's say, a Barca. But they have this rich history, mm-hmm. right? And this like club like uh base or just like this like yeah i don't know what the word is like they have a culture culture yeah thank you that's what i'm but they have like even even if it is sometimes individualistic and like they all like you know galacticos like they have those big name players they still have that culture of the club to be a team which psg does not have because all they really do is pluck the players and none of them, there's no, like, PSG DNA. No of a team. Yeah. Like, and I think that, like, and it, I fucking hate that I'm sitting here, like, talking nicely about round. I know. Let's <laughs> just forget we've done this. Like, <laughs> but, like, before PSG sort of, like, started doing what they're doing, um, like, Madrid was, like, the individual ego case club right like that's yeah. madrid's thing but even when they did they were the bad they were like the big bad for doing that like it was still like you had to come you still had to buy into madrid as like a place like yes and, and the you know the whites you had to buy into madrid um yeah like it doesn't seem like you have to buy into psg like there yeah. is no, there's no culture of buy-in at psg like, even if, yes, Madrid is, like, when you compare them to somebody like Barca or, like, the current culture at City or, you know, 
buyer and you can even say whoever like when you compare them to that like yes they're more individualistic um they there are you know bigger players that they rely on like a single guy or one or two guys more often than sort of like clubs that play like barca or city does um, and yeah that comes down to style of play um and part of it comes down to sort of like fan culture and whatnot but yeah and, and but even then like they were still successful because they didn't take it to the extreme that psg has taken it to where like mm-hmm. you're saying like madrid buys top players and brings in guys who have good are like really good already um as opposed to like developing from their academy for the most part um but they are not not every guy on their team is like plucked from a, an a-list roster already like every guy on psg they just like pluck from a from a top club that like i don't know yeah no i think i think it's a you can really see it. I mean, you have possibly three of the best play. You have Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi, but I don't think that any of those three players really know what they're playing for or who they're playing for. There's no identity. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you can see that and you can see that and that, and like playing in the French league, obviously there's just like, there's only so much like that is has an impact on in that league, but you see it in Champions League when they're actually playing these top teams. Um, it comes out time and time again, and I agree. I don't know if they're going to succeed farther than that in this competition without figuring that out first. Like I was having this conversation with somebody else yesterday. Like I don't think that. PSG can succeed in this competition without an identity. Um, I just think like in tournament format, like when you have the amount of talent that they have, like you can win any, any one-off game, right? Like, but there's just the level of competition in this competition is too high. You can't win enough one-off games. Mm-hmm. without a sort of like team identity and like a strategy and just sort of like I don't know like it's just such a hard competition and all the teams at some point are all really good and there has to be that deciding factor and that yeah. is often one yeah right but like that's often one of the factors mm-hmm. that impacts it and yeah. you have to have it yeah and PSG just don't so like I I have a really difficult time seeing them win the Champions League anytime soon. Like I just don't I just don't see it happening. They don't have I just don't think they have it. Whatever that it factor is, they don't have it. Yeah. And they're not going to find that by continuing to try and buy the best players. They're not. Um but yeah. Um and It'll be interesting to see what happens. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the team overall. I don't think they're going to change their philosophy. So I don't know. But, but I think I think Mbappe is definitely going to Madrid. So yeah, I definitely think he's going to leave. Um, so I think that that kind of wraps up Champions League and this section right now. Unless there's anything else you want to add. I don't think so. Okay, cool. Yes, yeah. so we're going to move into the Premier League update. 
Um, let me briefly speak to Arsenal and then we can get into the Derby and then if there's any other games you feel like are necessary to discuss. Um, maybe. We can do that. Um, Arsenal. We're in fourth place, dude, with three games in hand. Can you believe that? Because I can't. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, yeah. Thank <laughs> you. I was like, wait, what? Yes. Yeah, no, but yeah, Arsenal, Arsenal's looking really good. They're in good form. They're in a great position, frankly. I mean, with their games in hand, this gap with Chelsea, honestly, is great. Look, look, as an Arsenal fan, you do not get your hopes up. You do not expect anything. You expect you're going to lose every single time you play, even when you I'm play Watford. I'm just saying, you've got three games in hand on the next two closest guys behind you. Yeah. And, like, I think West Ham looks pretty good, but, yeah. I can feel cautiously optimistic. I will say um, – we had some be- beautiful goals between Saka and Odegaard and Partey. And like, we finally looked like we're using the skill of the players that we have to actually create something that's nice. I will say, like, this game was more stressful than it probably needed to be because we did kind of let Watford come back into it at the end, scoring that late goal, though it was never really like that much in threat. Mm-hmm. But I will say they did hold it. And as if other Arsenal fans know, in previous seasons, we probably would have let them score another goal <laughs> that ultimately tied the game. So we really are having an improvement here of holding on to a lead, even though our defense looks a little uh, looked a little bit wobbly. Um, but I mean, if you have your offensive players firing and sinking the way that they do um pretty excited for what's to come but knowing them they could take it so we'll see um but positive to say the least and i do think as like circling back to what we were saying with Dortmund, this is all arsenal is focusing on yeah um and I do think that helps. I think that the previous years they have struggled with um, trying to figure out lineups, injuries, too many games. Um, and I think there is something to be said about being focused on one competition um, and making sure their players are so healthy. So fingers are crossed that we can be playing in Europe again because, you know, this season we didn't do that. Um but that's all I have for Arsenal. Looking forward to their next game, which is March 16th against Liverpool. But that's not true. Actually, that's a false. That's just a lie. It's Sunday against Leicester. Excuse me. I can't read this. Um, but that's kind of what I have on Arsenal. Um, Manchester Derby uh, went from potentially. Oh, okay. Sorry. Getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Please, um, yes. The, the best for last. Um, I think the Arsenal thing was better than the Man City thing. So, <laughs> okay. Anyway, keep going. We're book we're bookending with the two best things. All right. Um, <laughs> I think Aston Villa is on a bit of a, a bit of a run right now. They they're playing really well. They've scored seven goals in their last two games. Um, I 
I want leads to turn it around so bad. I, yeah, with Jesse Marsh there, I, and just Bamford was back today for the first time. I don't know if he played. Um, I didn't watch. That. I didn't watch. Yeah, I couldn't watch. I'm um, I, I'm pretty, he didn't start, but let's see. He did come in. So he came off the bench today. He got some, okay. he lost three, nothing, but he did. Um, so I, I'd be, I mean, I'll be looking forward to seeing sort of how they move forward now with him back and a new coach and all that. But Steven Gerrard has been, seems to have been got it going at Aston Villa a little bit. Um, yeah, no. Which, yeah. You know, I have no hard feelings towards Aston Villa. So, you know, good. Story. No, I don't really, I just want these teams to play well. Tottenham beat the ever loving shit out of Everton. Yeah. Well, Everton is, um, is in a bit of trouble and is a, in a big spiral, I would say, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> Downward. So they are in a similar position, but like vice versa with Arsenal, whereas like they're in a terrible position, but they have three games in hand um, on the two teams that are directly above them in the table, Leeds and Brentford. So like if they can turn it around, like it is a recoverable season. But they are only one point ahead of Burnley, who is in – they're only one point clear of the relegation zone right now. Burnley is in 18th, um, and they have only played – Burnley. they only have one game in hand on Burnley. Yeah, and Burnley actually has been looking better recently. Burnley has more ga- more wins more recently than Everton does. Yeah. Um, but it'll it'll be the you're tight at the bottom. <laughs> tight at the bottom. It is tight. It is tight at the bottom. I mean, I love I love a relegation battle. Yeah. So and I don't have to stress about it. It's gonna be but... a battle. Like it's like frankly, like it. Yeah, we'll see. It's yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. People, honestly, there are not until you get to the very top. There's not a whole lot of like big gaps between places. I mean, you're looking at. No, there's not. I mean, it's, you start at Arsenal, you're at 48, 47, 45, 45, 43. That's all tight. Eighth and ninth, right? There's a big gap there, but 43 to 36. But then you go down to Aston Villa in ninth. And from there you go 36, 35, 33, 33, 33. Yeah. One, 37. And then you drop 23, 22, 21, 19, 17. Yeah. But the thing is, because like there's games, teams have played anywhere between 25 and 28 games. Um, Yes. There's some, there's a lot of games in hand to be played. So this table could be quite different a couple weeks from now. Um, We will, we will kind of see, but there's. It'll be interesting. Everton looks to be in a bit of a pickle. (laughs) A bit of a pickle. Yes. I think that's true. But let's talk. Let's talk, Darby. Yes, let's. Uh, so, I will say, let me give my like neutral perspective. I wasn't really expecting anything. I set the scene, but okay. Oh, you can set the scene if you want to. All right. So I love Darby Day. Um, <laughs> it's like I love it. Um, I had myself all put together. Right. I was like, I bought cinnamon rolls. I was going to make cinnamon rolls and bacon and have my coffee. I was going to get up and watch the Barca game, and then I was going to go 
cinnamon rolls breakfast situation on my TV going. I was all ready to go. It was snowing outside. Um, I had my jerseys, my jerseys laid out on my couch. I was all ready to go. I had my hat on. Everything was good. Um, about 20 minutes before kickoff, my power went out. Um, so I had to watch the first half of the game on my phone. It ended up coming on back on during halftime and I could watch the second game on my TV. But anyway, so I had this perfect plan, this setup to have this amazing derby experience by myself, in my apartment. And then the snow said, but your power's going to go out for about an hour. Love to see it. But anyway, that's me setting the scene. That's how my morning outside of the actual game itself went. Um, give us your opinion uh, as a not by unbiased or less biased fam. All I wanted going to this game was for Arsenal to end up in fourth place. So obviously so I desired a loss from United, but I wasn't really actively rooting for City because I, I don't know. I can't sometimes get myself to do that. However, you know, it was it was a hot second trying to uh, be interesting for 22 minutes after United tied it up. But, you know, it didn't last very long. And post-second goal from Kevin De Bruyne, what a beast. Um, we kind of flowed into the second half where I think City had the entire ball the entire time. And I think United touched it, like, twice. Um, so I think it turned out to be a very entertaining game to watch as a neutral observer, but entertaining to say, as a Man United hater, that they really got squashed. Well, Those are my thoughts. I just want to say about that uh, Kevin De Bru- second Kevin De Bruyne goal, I will be dreaming about that Phil Foden touch for over Lindelof. Yeah, for you. beautiful. It was I nice. I love that man. I love that man. That was disgusting. I am obsessed. I'm obsessed. He played so well the whole game. He's so good. He just, oh my God, you could tell. I got so much pleasure from the fact that you could just tell that Harry Maguire wanted nothing more than to fucking deck Phil Foden. <laughs> he was... They were calling him, the commentators were calling Foden a pest. And that is exactly what Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think that's very accurate. And who was it? I think Wambasaka, who was playing outside back, that Foden just like fucking body slammed. He like just checked him off the ball. Foden is like 5'7 and 130 pounds. Yeah. Tiny. Like he has no business hip checking anybody off the ball. But he just hip checked them. It was like, boom, ball's mine now. And I was like, I love this kid. I love this kid so much. He loves, he loves the rivalry games. Um, he always plays well. And I have, I like just have nothing but good things to say about him. But whenever City plays United and whenever City plays Liverpool, like he plays out of his mind. He, yeah. I mean, he's a, I mean, he's a City guy born and raised. Um, so, I mean, I think that probably plays into it, but he he shows up for the rivalry games and he was a delight. I love to see De Bruyne scoring. Um it's nice to see that. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. I 
it's just good stuff. Um, Mara's is also on a bit of a tear. Um, yeah, he's been looking really good. Um, and I'm normally his first person to bust on him. So, yeah, I am not the biggest Mara's fan. I talk a lot of smack, smack <laughs> about him, but uh, he scores has been scoring a lot of goals this year. So, um, I will just say, like, I think, like, it looked like United came out with the game plan, like in the beginning, um, that like maybe was going to be effective. Yeah. Uh, for like a hot second, at least. and it fell apart. And then City was like, mm, maybe not. Yeah. Um, I also just think like United couldn't keep that sort of like. I just think that United, the current United, this is not. I don't think an intent as an an entrenched cultural problem at United, but I think currently United have a bit of an identity issue. Mm-hmm. Um, where currently yeah Current. currently. Yes. not not like wide it's not an entrenched issue but i think like the current squad at identity of at united like is has a bit of an individualism problem um, mm-hmm. they don't really play like as a group um i actually i watched an interview from scott mctominay after the game um that was interesting i thought he was very candid um about how they're a mess mm-hmm. um, and he was like you know i could stand here and make excuses like blah blah blah, blah but like we just have to do better like we're just yeah. not like we just give the ball away too much mm-hmm. like, we just had no business giving the and when you give the ball away to a team like manchester city like you're not going to get it back and then you right yeah spend, you know minutes and minutes and minutes of the time just chasing them around the field and you feel like you're a kid on the playground getting you know, beaten up by the bigger kids. Like, and I just, I thought it was an interesting, one of the more, I feel like candid interviews I've seen from United players. I just don't. And, and I'm going to be honest, the whole Ronaldo situation is sketchy as hell. This, I think that's impacting it. Don't you? I don't think that that's a good for the club at this moment to have that hanging over them. Whether whether Harry Maguire and Cristiano Ronaldo are actually going at it in the locker room or not, like, because who's to say, right? Like, who knows? Yeah, who knows? But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because Ronaldo's an ego case. But <laughs> um, like, I don't think Harry Maguire is that good of a defender. But I got no, I got no takes on him as like human. Um, but basically, like, I there's something really telling I think when your player who is supposedly your star player Cristiano Ronaldo the day before the big the biggest rivalry game um one of the biggest rivalries in English soccer um is like oh I have an injury I can't like what excuse me coach then says to the press oh well you know I have to believe my doctors I have to believe what the doctors say. That's yeah. what Ralph Ragnick said. He I know. Say like, yes, he's hurt. He said, you know, I have to believe my doctors. Yeah. So clearly there's something. To, and then he hops a plane to Portugal. Sketchy like, on all levels. The game. Like there's a lot, there's something going on there. Like 
And I don't know. I'm not, I mean, we, I fucking hate Cristiano Ronaldo. This is not news. Um, I think we joint, neither of us, we both hate him. So like, we're not- We made that very clear in the first ever episode we ever recorded. I'm happy to like, I would be happy to spend an hour like listing everything I hate about him and why I think he's terrible. Um, So like, it's one thing- It can be a special episode. Say like, I think Cristiano Ronaldo is the problem here, but I also don't think he's the only problem. I think he is a problem. But I don't, it doesn't, it seems to me like he can't possibly be Ronaldo's or um, United's only problem. There is something, they got some shit to figure out. Like it is not, it is not going smoothly there right now. Um, No. Sorry, Dahlia and Reyna. Tough reason, tough season to be you. Picked the wrong Manchester club, didn't you, huh? Mm -hmm. Little sisters picked the wrong one. Um, But... I don't even know if they listen to this, but my dad will. He'll probably tell them. <laughs> my dad. But um, yeah. I just, I think like it's always fun beating United, but it's a little bit less fun when there's such a shit show. Yeah. I yeah. Win. I was really thinking it could be a good game. It is always fun to beat United. It is never not fun. They are like. Yeah. Like there are not very many clubs that I will continue to be like, yeah, it's still fun to kick them while they're down. Um, but United, it's less fun to kick them while they're down, but it's still it's still fun. You're still fun, Joy. Yeah. So yeah, I enjoy Derby Day. Um, yeah, but like I also had way less anxiety involving this game than like I do about the upcoming City Liverpool game in about a month. Um, now, now, as a neutral, quite excited. Um, also, because it has probably no implication for Arsenal, so I can really just be like, "Give me the best game you possibly yeah, can." Really anxiety-inducing <laughs> for me. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. But I'm having like, a blast. <laughs> barely. It is barely less than a month away. Um, what day is it? Do you know? I think it's April sixth. I might. Or is April that 6th. in the middle of the week? No, it might be April 9th or April 10th. Maybe it's ex- actually, maybe it's April 10th. Maybe it's exactly, exactly a month. Hold on. It's April 10th. It is Sunday, April 10th, 1130. Prime time. Um, from now, but I. Well, obviously the stress as we become closer, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. And if it really is going to be the key in the title race, which I guess it could be. I think a big factor is going to be that's right around when Diaz is maybe going to be back from injury. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, They, they, he was marked as four to six weeks. So I guess it's five weeks basically. Yeah. Um, Now I, uh, I'm going to be honest. I expect him to be back. Um, Diaz has sort of a bit of a, a history of coming back surprisingly from injuries, um, but he won't have been back for very long. I anticipate yeah. him that he will be back. Even if it's his first game back, I, I anticipate that he will be back. Um, yeah. But I would like him to be back for that game. And, and I like both Laporte and Stones. I think they're both good. I think they play well together, but Diaz is obviously better than both of them. Like, so, yeah. um, I, that's really the, 
my biggest anxiety is that he's not going to be back. Um, or that he'll be back, but not like really back, you know? Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but it'll be interesting. Um, it'll definitely be, be an interesting game. They, it was a tie in the fall. Yeah. Um, I think it's one, one, I think sounds right. I wouldn't know off the top of my head, but yeah. But I, and it's going to be a game that has a lot of really big implications for the title race, barring anything batshit happening over the next month. Yeah, if anything goes as expected, that game could honestly decide the title race. Well, I think well, I don't, mm, I don't it would just it, make it very, very close. It, it's either going to make it a race, or it's going to it's either it's either going to be a deciding factor in City's favor, or it's going to make it a race. Like, right. I should say yes race. because if City if City wins, it's over probably. If City wins, barring anything crazy happening, yeah, win the title. Yeah, if Liverpool wins. It'll be a stressful last month in. for you. It'll be who blinks. So, yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously, it's it's better to be me as a City fan than as a Liverpool fan. Because yeah. As a Liverpool fan, it's kind of do or die. Like, it's it, it becomes very difficult for them to win the league if they don't win the game. But for City, like, yes, obviously, like, it would be upsetting for a number of reasons to not win the game, but not winning does not end our title chances. Yes, yes. It it is obviously better to be me than to be a Liverpool fan, but still, I want to win the game. (laughs) It's a month away, and I'm freaking out already. I, like, I literally, my whole body tenses up just, like, thinking about it, and it's a month away. We have a lot of games in between now and then, so let's not stress too much about it yet. No, not good for me. No, really, really not good for you. (laughs) Um, I think that was the last thing we uh, had for this podcast this week. Um, much, not as much, I feel like, controversy happened in the last week. Than... Can't complain about that. Yeah. But less fun content of us complaining about it. So I don't know. I feel like I did, I did a decent amount of fun complaining. Yeah, well, you can always complain always about something, so it's not really that hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for this week. We'll see you next week on Kicking Balls.